0: Hello everyone, it's Frog and the Dragon, hope you are having a fantastic day, I'm Ben Foyle, once again joined by
1: Rupert Fliegen from the lovely country of Germany, hello there, how are you doing? We're doing
0: good, we're doing good. So, <clears throat> Rupert, what are we talking
2: about today?
1: So, uh, we were talking about the weird stuff, uh, that's at least what the episode will be labeled as. Um, So, what in particularly what we're about to talk, um, are the more unusual stuff, like conspiracies, um, the dreaded anti, um, yeah. rather be, weird card. draft matters Yeah, card. it's the
0: things that aren't what come to mind when you think of just regular playable cards. And in particular, it's cards that are often disregarded by constructed formats. A lot of the cards we're going to talk about today aren't even playable or legal in vintage. They're so out there. Uh, Not to say they're not good. It's that they may break the game a bit too much for those formats. And yeah, let's start with one that a lot of people are probably familiar with, and that's conspiracies. So the way conspiracies work is they start the game in your command zone, and Mm. they have usually got some sort of activated or passive effect. And we've got four here that we'd like to kind of draw your attention to. There are a bunch more, but these are some of the ones that we think are either particularly powerful or enable a full archetype with just one card. So, Rupert, do you want to give us one of these
1: here? What's kind of, what's singing to you? Okay, sure. Uh, I'll start with uh, my personal favorite, because it's also probably the only one I've played so far. Uh, And that would be Sovereign's Realm. So, uh, Sovereign's Realm uh, starts in your command zone... um, Face up, that's quite important because some conspiracies start face down. Um, and reads, Your deck can't have basic lands, um, land cards, and your starting hand size is five. Exile a card from your hand. This turn, you may play basic land cards from outside the game. Basic lands you control have tap them. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, um, for the, well, not necessarily small price um, of a smaller starting hand and an exile card for plate land, you have perfect fixing. Yeah. I mean, this essentially enables you to play the likes of... You can basically play
0: all the flashy cards you want. All the risky splashes are now yours. You're playing, yeah, as you said, a perfect fit, perfectly fixed five-color deck at the caveat of, you know, you're going to be pitching cards as your lands and also you have that lower maximum hand size
1: i'd also argue that it comes with the inherent perk of um witnessing your draft hosts face when you tell them yeah i'd like to have uh, 40 basic lands in my sideboard thank you
0: personal experience on that um yeah it's um (laughs) it's great and even it's funny as well this is the kind of card where you'll realize that there may be archetypes actually in your cube that you didn't think were there initially and maybe might give you an idea to flesh them out. For example, yeah. um, I had a cube before where in all of the three-color combinations, I had the Alara dragons. Uh, sorry, not the Alara dragons, the Khan's dragons. Uh, what was it? No, I had the three-color dragons. Yeah, not the Khan's. Mm-hmm. I had three-color dragons um, in sort of the at sort of a to be like a sort of signpost card and one guy Mm -hmm. drafted sovereign's realm and basically just made a dragon's deck and i was like you know what fair Mm -hmm. enough and i thought like Mm -hmm. maybe i can splash out and make a dragon's archetype be a full thing Mm -hmm. um another card in the same vein as sovereign's realm that enables kind of a whole archetype is world knit which is Mm -hmm. a conspiracy that starts the game face up in the command zone and as long as every card in your draft pool started the game in your library or in the command zone, lands you control have tapped for one of any colour. Mm. So, in the same vein, you're giving yourself perfect fixing, but you're playing your entire deck. Yeah. Really interesting kind of idea here. I think this card really shines if you are able to somehow artificially sort of reduce the size of your deck by, for example, if you draft World Knit early and draft a bunch of Conspiracies, mm. um, you can... Kind of mitigate the fact that you're playing more cards by just playing a bunch of conspiracies if the cube allows it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, int- I would definitely say WorldNet is the worst card of the two, but it's it's a neat one to include, even just again, include it as a one of every
1: once in a while, and someone might be crazy enough to try draft around it. Yeah. Like, I, it, either that or it just helps that one player that just really seems to can't get anything going. Um, yeah, the, like their, it's their first with draft, they have no idea con. what to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um like now a certain,
0: now as opposed now for some conspiracies that are a bit less about say the deck restrictions we've got uh power play which is Ooh. again starts face yeah. up and this is probably one of the best conspiracies in my opinion um you Absolutely. are the starting player yeah. if multiple players uh would be the starting player one of those players is chosen at random so again usually cube is singleton so if you drop power play just know every game going first going first going first and that's such a good advantage to Perfect. have. I mean, Perfect. it is deceptively good. I mean, just having that. Um, mm-hmm. And if for some reason you don't want to be starting player because it's in your, it's a conspiracy. You know, you don't need to draw a conspiracy. They just start in your command zone and have this ability. You could just take it out if for some reason you're playing a deck that wants to go second. Um, another one that I think is again very very good is backup plan. Absolutely. Starts the game free face mulligans. up. Take that. Yeah, draw an additional hand of seven as the game begins. Before taking mulligans, shuffle all but one of your hands into your library. So yeah, you're essentially getting a free second mulligan. Mm. Sick. Like I don't know what to tell you. In a forty-card format, you're getting to look at fourteen cards. Mm. That's I would also argue that
1: just better than uh, a straight up mulligan because like even if it's free, uh, because you can look at both hands at the same time and evaluate okay this one's better this one's better yeah like like this is so good
0: yeah uh, yeah it's a good point it's better than the second mul- than just getting two mulligans in some ways because if the first hand is just flat dog mm. it means that the second hand is statistically more likely to be better like if your first hand was just one land and all your six drops for example <laughs> Um obviously you might be in a position where you've got two good hands and you don't know which one to pick, but I'd rather be in a position of choosing between two good hands versus yep. an okay hand and deciding maybe I'll mulligan it, you know? Yeah. Um. Other than that, though, there are a bunch of other conspiracies and particularly conspiracy Two, take the crown added a bunch of conspiracies that in particular have new mechanics. The ones we actually covered here, I think are all from the, actually, no, these were in the second conspiracy as well, but I'm, um... There are a bunch of conspiracies with the hidden me- agenda mechanic, which they start face down in the command zone and then will do something uh, once a condition is met. For example, you'll secretly name a card and once that card is played, it gets haste or something. Um, mm. So definitely have a look at conspiracies. Just We said we'd point these ones out because if you're going for those that high power cube, I think some of these guys could really help push the envelope. <laughs> mm. um, Fair enough. In the same vein, um, we have another mechanic that a lot of people have probably never played with. What
1: have we got here, Probably not, probably This is Anti. Yes. Um, So, Anti seems to be a personal favorite of uh, my co-host, Mr. Gilfoyer, Mm -hmm. but um, I'll just take the honors and um, read out an Anti card and uh, you would just describe what that means. So, uh, we'll just look at Jewel's Bird first. So, that's a a one... Mana artifact. Remove remove dual birth from your deck before playing, if not playing for ante. Okay, so far so go. Draw a card. Uh, tap it, draw a card. Put your contribution to the ante into your graveyard and replace it with dual birth. First. Okay, so so that leaves me with a big question mark. What the hell is ante? No, no fuck's ante.
0: So, I'm, I've actually just pulled up the wiki to give you a full description here. So, ante refers to both an optional variant of magic and to the anti zone used only in anti games it also reversed Mm -hmm. the act of adding a card to the anti zone but it's not currently defined as a keyword action. it was designed by garfield and introduced in alpha so what anti does is at the when you agree to play for anti um if you're playing the anti variant of of magic each player would put a random card from the top of their library into the anti zone and then the winner of the game receives permanent ownership of all cards in the anti zone. So if you want to introduce anti into your cube, basically at the start of every match, you shuffle up your deck, take the top card face down, put it in the anti file. Mm-hmm. And what Jeweled Bird allows you to do is, um, first of all, it's one mana tap and draw a card. So one mana draw a card is pretty good. Um, secondly, um, by putting Jeweled Bird, Jeweled Bird um, says, put your contribution to the anti into your graveyard and replace it with Jeweled Bird. So, you lose control of Jeweled Bird with the mm. additional benefit of getting your anti-card back. So, you're kind of replacing the Unknown card with the Jeweled Bird. Um, mm. uh, oh, wait, no, it's, sorry. It's uh not face-down. You just put them into the anti-zone. Um, Yeah, All so right, yeah. so if you see that like your bomb rare is in the anti-zone, you can be like, okay, I'm going to tap my Jeweled Bird, get my rare back into my grave, and Jules Bird I'll never see again.
1: Just um, let me put my grizzle brand into the Graveyard Time one. Easy. Yeah, it's um
0: <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say anything about face down. Yeah. So it's a really weird mechanic. Only nine cards have ever gotten the anti mechanic, and mm. um the best one, I think, by far, is Contract from Below. This I would say in a world where like magic continued to have anti, Contract Below is the best card in the game. Mm-hmm. It is one black mana for a sorcery that reads, Discard your current hand and draw eight new cards, adding the first drawn card to your ante. Remove this card from your deck if you're not playing for ante. So this is one
2: mana. Refresh your hand. Imagine a storm deck that could go one mana, new hand. Like, this card is nuts. And again, if you want to push the envelope of
0: your cube, consider playing it or you know if you want to be kind of <laughs> if you want to do something real weird you could throw it in just for the heck of it and not play by anti but i think that's too broken um but yeah the anti is a really weird and interesting zone um
1: mm. um
0: any of these other cards catching your eye rupert
1: um just in terms of wording because i'm looking at another anti card uh, called rebirth yes uh a sorcery for three and three green each player may be healed to twenty life. Any player choosing to be healed ante is an additional cut from the top of his or library. Remove rebirth from your deck before playing if not playing for antes. So again, may <laughs> be healed. <laughs> yeah, right. that's a weird wording. You can
0: tell that this card is from like real early on in the game. But um, yeah, again, in that same vein, it, you're getting a like a very powerful effect. Let's be real here, like of getting your life total back to the start. Mm. Um, in a pinch for the cost of antiing the top card of your deck again maybe not necessarily as powerful as contract from below but again might be an interesting thing to include um as a sort of you know a big recovery spell or just having it be there to further push an anti idea in your cube um in the same vein as that, uh, we have Tempest Freet, which oh, is <laughs> a brick of text, and I'm just oh, going boy, to yeah. I'm just going to get the Oracle text up for it. I'm going to be real here. Uh, yep, Tempest Efreet. Um So uh, it's a three and three red and one for a three three that reads: Tap sack, Tempest Efreet. Target opponent may pay ten life. If that player player does not, they reveal a card at random from their hand. Exchange ownership of the revealed card and Tempest Efreet. Put the revealed card into your hand and Tempest Freet from anywhere into that player's graveyard. This change of ownership is permanent. So, tap the Efreet, give me a card from your hand at random, Tempest Efreet goes into the opponent's graveyard. Um, Again, really really bizarre mechanic here. Yeah. But um, it's that kind of thing of if you can you know, how would I say, if you want to you know again, this idea of changing ownership is really interesting, and mm. you might be able to get the upper hand with it. Um, something to note with anti as a mechanic in general is the mm-hmm. idea of players not having enough cards to anti. In that, they may end, you may have a player who ends up with a deck less than 40 cards. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point, again, this is where you need to be careful with anti. So, um, there's a couple ways have to like
1: put in dirt sideboard cards yeah
0: there's a couple ways you could do this for one you could have them put in dirt sideboard cards or extra basics to make up the difference secondly Mm. what you could do is let's say it's a best of three yeah Mm -hmm. first game uh rupert means you anti a card you take the anti cards because you won the game Mm -hmm. and then you know at the that anti-exchange might only be for the round it's not for the entire night if that makes sense yeah. that's another way you could do it where it's like okay rupert won game one he gets to play with my currency stole, but game and he gets to play with them for game two but then when it comes to the next round where i'm playing against jim i get my whole deck back mm-hmm. um again depends on what you want to do depends on you know your environment and what you want to do with it but um anti again it's a really weird mechanic with some powerful cards and again it just brings a little bit of extra fun to the game a little bit of extra charm that Mm -hmm. you know maybe you don't play it every week but you're just like oh i'll throw in a a, like a play set of jeweled birds for like my drafters to take if they want Mm -hmm. um but hey let's move on rupert what else are we going to talk about in terms of just weird stuff in the magical
2: world of Magic. <laughs> the magical yeah, sure. of Magic. yeah. Um, I can
1: English. So well. <laughs> um so the next category we would like to talk about is actually something I really enjoy. Um and there's are draft matters cards. And um what those cards are, um those are cards that explicitly reference um occasions where you would draft them and they do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um and in general, what they do, and what I really like about them, is that they add another minigame to the already being a minigame uh, draft process. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example for that would be um, Piratic Hunter. Uh, that's a 0-0 zero, zero, uh, elemental cat for Fauna Red. Reveal Pyretic Hunter as you draft it, and note how many cards you've drafted this draft round, including Pyretic Hunter. It has manners. Paretic Hunter enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the highest number you noted for cards named Paratic Hunter. So... Really interesting. What this does is, once you get this passed, is that you have to consider, huh, do I go for this now, or do I bank on it, being passed again, and by then yeah. being a much stronger card
0: yeah it's a really interesting meta game. where like let's say you get this you know in pack one you're like okay mm-hmm. it's a zero zero by the time it reaches jim over there it'll be a seven seven and yep. then if by the time it gets back to me it'll be an eight eight
1: yep. but will it even reach me again you know And this, this is a nice thing thing apart from just the mind games, is just this additional layer of fun <laughs> Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really Um, enjoy
0: them. Another, just a really small thing with Pyretic Hunter is um, note that it says where X is the highest number you noted for cards named Pyretic Hunter. So if you are playing more than one copy of a card in your cube, let's say Mm -hmm. like the first Pyretic Hunter only gets two counters, and then a second one happens, you draft a second one, it gets five. Both Mm -hmm. Pyretic Hunters are five fives now. So. That might be a worthwhile thing to consider if you are a fan of playing, you know, not going singleton in your cube. Yeah. Um, two cards that I really like for draft matters, and again, it kind of, not uh, in terms of like adding a little bit of mind games to it, are Regicide and paleano the High City. And they both have mm-hmm. a similar effect here. So Regicide is one black for an instant, and it has reveal Regicide as you draft it. The player to your right chooses a color, you choose another color, and the player to the left chooses a third color. So three different colors get picked. And it reads destroy target creature that's one of the that's one or more of the chosen colours as you drafted regicide. hmm Love that. It's very interesting and a very interesting take on something like Doomblade. And similar to Pyretic Hunter, if say you draft two regicides, um, yeah. you know, um, and you name different colours than the first regicide, both regicides will cast for you know, the collective colours for the regicides you drafted. Um yeah. I would recommend actually as well, like having, if you are including the draft matters cards, have a little notepad or a piece of paper available for players <laughs> so that they can like That's slip not, into not. the sleeve, regicide for, you know, Wooberg or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, of the High City is the same deal. Uh, you reveal it as you draft it, and you, purse to your left and right, you each choose different colors, and it taps to add one mana of the chosen colors when you drafted it. Mm-hmm. Like, if nothing else, like worst case scenario, it's a Triome, you know yeah like actually sorry worst case scenario is it's a land that taps for one of your colors you know but like realistically yeah. you know you're high odds that you're go- you're going to get at least two of your colors and maybe all three colors maybe if you drop this early it'll convince you to play three color um mm-hmm. by having that powerful land um and then rupert do you want to take these last two then um two really yeah, interesting
1: okay. Yeah, what I think is really interesting is Copwork Librarian. Um, so Work Librarian is an artifact creature for four, uh, and as a 3-3 three, three creature, but that's mostly irrelevant because you will draft it face up, and as you draft a cart, you may draft an additional cart from that booster pack if you do put the librarian into that booster pack. So it's essentially a free ticket you're drafting. Yeah. Um, to, you know... Get that nice double master's draft feeling of drafting two cards per pack.
2: Yeah.
0: So you take like if it's a case of like the pack has you know it could be a case of like the pack has nothing really in it. You take Cogwork Librarian and then on a later pack you're like oh Kiki Jiki and Pestermite are in the same pack. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um. No. You can draft an additional card from that booster pack if you do put Cogwork Librarian. Um. I'm just checking that. Um. Yeah. It's. I'm pretty sure you're able to do it like between packs as well. It's not. Um. You know, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. need to be in the the current pack that you picked it in. So no, that,
1: that that's probably why you uh, draft it face up.
0: Um, yeah, that's why I you like draft face up. True. Yeah. Um, and in the same vein, Canal Dredger is a format of one five that's drafted face up, and each player passes the last card from each booster pack to the player who drafted a card named Canal Dredger, and has mm. tap uh, put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. So again, this is like a nice way of just sort of you get, like, a bunch of stuff at the end of the draft, Um, at the end of each pack. I mean, granted, it's the last card from each pack, but, I mean,
2: you're getting seven cards. Yeah. It's... You might get something. Mm. Um Like, I think
0: both of these have, like, a nice little home. And, again, playing Cogwork Librarian and Canal Dredger are both uh, very safe things to throw into your cube, in a sense. Where it's, like, you know, we're... They're they're two cards. They're not going to become a whole archetype onto themselves. They're not going to hurt you too much by just playing them in. Hell, if you've got a three sixty card cube and you just throw in two extra cards, you don't even need to take anything out for them. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Why not? Give it a go. Yeah. Um, they're relatively. That's the thing with a lot of these cards. They're relatively painless to include, and can mm-hmm. be just put in on their own and then taken out after the fact. Um, yeah. I quite appreciate that. Uh, next one is a bit of a contentious one. Uh, these are uncards, cards Cards from Unglued, Unhinged, and Unstable that may have a place in draft. And, going silver-boarded. Yeah, silver-boarded. Actually, silver in general, but I think all there are other examples of silver-boarded, but the unsets are the most prolific examples. Um, we stuck mostly here to cards that are legitimately kind of playable and aren't too much breaking the game. A lot of cards in the unsets have very silly effects that a lot of people from a more competitive environment don't t- don't like. Like, I think there's a card called uh, Hazmat Suit that reads, mm. uh, it's an, it enchants a creature and it reads, whenever a player touches the enchanted creature, they take two damage. It's like, okay, that's a bit silly. But yeah. there are some uncards that are, like, flavorfully silly, but actually mechanically unique and very interesting. So, Rupert, do you want to, mm. like,
1: give us an example of some, some of that here? Sure, so, uh, because last week we talked about uh, tutors, I think I'll hit you up with, Two untutors that um are really really neat. Like uh, the first one being the booster tutor mm. for one black at instant speed. You open a sealed magic booster pack, reveal the cards, and put one of them into your hand. Uh, remove that card from your deck before beginning a new game. Yeah. So I think this is really so neat. I, I, I think, I I think reading out the flavor text uh, explains how stupid this is. You yeah. say that as a saga pack all these years for this. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. It's an all so, or nothing thing. <laughs> it's an all
0: or nothing. Yeah. And I quite like it. You've got that There's a couple of different ways I've seen this implemented. Some people will legitimately just have boosters laying around mm-hmm. where it's like, "Hey, I've got a pack of Armonket cans of Tarkir and pff, Future Sight. Pick one." Um all the, the most common use for booster to I see is that people will build instead of building a 360 card cube, they'll build a 375 card cube. And whatever the fifteen remaining cards are in the boost in the cube, that's what the booster tutor gets, yeah alternatively, I've also seen people build uh i what's the word for it like a wish board for their cube, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. I've got fifty mythics set aside, and <laughs> you just take fifteen of them at random, and then one of them is booster tutor to your hand, like there's a booster tutor pack almost set mm-hmm. aside and all of those, of course, have different ramifications and may be really good. Like, I think a really neat way of doing booster tutor might even be to have a pack set aside that's like a piece of removal, a bomb mythic, a bomb, like a good creature in each color or something, or a piece mm. of removal in each color, and yeah. like just generically good stuff. Um, just a dedicated booster tutor. Pack. A dedicated booster tutor pack, I think, is really good. Um, another tutor you have here, I really like
1: Goblin Tutor. What's that? So, uh, that's the red counterpart for that. Uh, For one red at instant speed, you roll a six-sided die. If you roll a one, Goblin Tutor has no effect. Otherwise, search your library for the indicated card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. For two, you tutor for a card named Goblin Tutor. For three, an enchantment. For four, an artifact. For five, a creature. And for six, an instant or sword. Yeah,
0: so it's a two-thirds the time a tutor, two of the... and then. <laughs> then it's either on a one or a two, you get no effect or search for another Goblin Shooter. So I think this would be a, ni- a nice card to include, say, as a two of, where it's like, if you draft Goblin Shooter, you get two copies of it. Mm-hmm. Because then you kind of, even if you roll a two and you have to her for a card named Goblin Shooter, it means yeah. you're still kind of getting something out of it. Um, yeah. Like, in general, though, it is pretty good and you are be- able to probably her for something. Um, yeah, there's
1: a thing to note about that, though. Um it was printed in a set that um features a very, very heavy um a, an archetype that was focused heavily on uh rolling dice, re-rolling dice, um manipulating roll dice, stuff like that. Yeah. So um in that sense, if you include something like that, there are plenty of uncards that still yeah. do that.
0: I think the um, most the most notable one I can think of off the top of my head is there's one that reads you may add it's like a i think it's a creature that reads you may add one to any dice roll you make Mm. so that turns goblin shooter from a two-thirds chance of being good to being you know a um fucking five-sixth chance of being good
1: is that a may though uh good question i cannot remember because in, in that sense um, uh you won't you won't be able
0: to that's sorcery. actually true yeah uh <laughs> point being there is a lot of roll dice cards in unstable and unsanctioned i think it was that really cared about yeah, dice matter yeah, so consider if you are adding things like goblin shooter maybe take some of the other if you're comfortable with dice rolling throw a couple other dice roll matters cards in so that you can make goblin shooter even better and even more consistent yeah. um Another thing that I'd like to point out is, um, are two cards that um, I think, again, have a legitimate chance of actually seeing print in some way, shape, or form.
2: Uh,
0: one of them is Extremely Slow Zombie, which is a 1 in a black for a 3-3 zombie that has last strike. So <laughs> this creature deals damage after creatures without last strike. So you, this is essentially the inverse of first strike, where, you know, creature with first strike deals damage first, creature with last strike deals damage last. So you're essentially giving your opponent's creature first strike, if you want to think of it like that. And it allows for this really interesting thing of Extremely Slow Zombie has really pushed stats. It's a 2 mana 3-3. Three, three. That's kind of good. But you have to deal with the fact that, oh, if it's blocked by a 3-3, three, three, Extremely Slow Zombie dies. Um, the other one that's in that same vein is Three-Headed Goblin. It's a two, It's a 3 and 2 red for a 3-3 three, three with triple strike. So it deals first strike, regular, and last strike damage. So you've kind of got this thing that's essentially five if it's if it's hitting on an empty board, it's a five mana deal nine damage. Yeah. Boring. But so like there's a lot of potential for that. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. neat design that you could fit into a cube very easily. I think there's lots of places that would really enjoy three headed goblin. Probably. Um Any you other own cards you wanna give a shout out to Rupert?
1: Uh let's see what you also added here. Um So we got A Wall, A W O L Yeah, A
2: Wall. Oh, um
1: Yeah. Or two and a white and then at instant speed, exile target attacking creature, then remove it from the game, then put it into the absolute remove from the freaking game forever zone. Yep. Um, I think <laughs> this hints at the fact that um, wizards at least tried to print several cards that interact with exile cards, um, and that they just wanted to add another zone where you'd like no. You're not interacting with this. Yeah. Um. Exile, yeah, was... like this is. I think Rosewater has gone on record and
0: said that, like, Exile has been a bit of a mistake in that, like, Exile was meant to be. This is not being touched, you know. But it mm. Exile has become over the years this sort of temp zone where it's like, oh, if you flicker mm. a creature, it goes to Exile. If you do this, that, and the other, it goes to Exile. And mm. a wall is a like. In most in most cases, you're playing it as a exile a creature, cool. But yeah. it means that like there is absolutely zero percent chance that whatever gets hit with a wall is returning from from the absolutely freaking <laughs> removed from the game zone. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's that like just sort of what exile was originally meant to be. This card's never coming back. <laughs> absolutely. Not. And uh, last one I want to give a call out to is Garbage Elemental. And word of warning here in unstable which is what garbage elemental is from there's a bunch of cards that have the same name but different texts printed on them really mm-hmm. silly thing that they did but it was kind of cool but um garbage elemental in this specific rendition i think is really fun and playable in cube it reads it's a five sorry it's four and a red for a three three elemental that reads cascade and I'll. And also has when it enters the battlefield, roll a d6. Garbage Elemental deals damage equal to the result to target opponent. I think Mm -hmm. that's just dead solid. Like five mana three three deals three and a half damage on average and cascades. Pretty good. Like the ceiling uh, is the ceiling is five mana three three. You get a four drop and you bolt someone twice. (laughs) But um, you know it's. I think this one's legit again, legitimately playable and you could even like errata it a little bit yourself to be like okay i don't want to roll dice let's say it just deals three damage to face Mm. you know flat three the average um so yeah give garbage elemental in the cascade rendition a try there's the other ones are cool too but they're a little bit more gimmicky i think and i think this is like the most fair and
2: you know playable one um without being too wacky
0: Let's go ahead and look at some other little fun things. Um, another set that might give you some good inspiration for building cubes is Future Sight.
1: The weird looking
0: ones. Yeah, so Future Sight is known, in particular the video viewers will see this, for a very strange type of card border. Um, the original Tarmogoyf, for example, had this border. And um, Future Sight is a set, just for a bit of history, where they printed a bunch of cards with mechanics that they basically kind of promised would come to fruition someday. And some of it has legitimately. For example, Tarmogoyf, which has seen play in a later set outside of Future Sight, and is a mod was a modern staple for years. Maybe it still mm-hmm. is. I don't play modern, so I can't remember if it's still played or not. <laughs> but um, similarly, there are other examples of mechanics that I think first made their debut in Future Sight, only to get proper printing later. I think Double Strike was also first printed in Future Sight, and like that's a staple mechanic now. You not, see it all over sure, the place. That, but yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. So three cards here to kind of just give you a little bit of a you know, a bit of food for thought. Um first one Arcanum Wings, one and a blue for an enchantment aura that reads Enchant Creature, Enchanted Creature has Flying. It also has Aura Swap for two and a blue, which re which means you pay two and a blue to exchange this aura with an aura card in your hand. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of do a bit of pseudo ramp here where it's like you're paying two mana to put arcanum wings on something, let's say let's say turn two turn three you aura swap it for like a um god what's that big thing that turns stuff into an Eldrazi um that like uh, ten- Eldrazi, conscription. Eldrazi conscription exactly like that's your magical Christmas land
1: you know that's what you can kind of get out of this and all that, all that weird uh enchantment from uh Ikoria titanized or something that taps the creature and makes it uh gives it plus 20 plus 20
0: Oh yeah, and Aura Swap.
1: <laughs> I think it doesn't say it's sorcery speed,
0: so I think it can indeed be done at instant speed. So you'd be like, yeah, swing with oh, swing at my flyer. No
1: blocks because I don't have a flyer. Plus twenty, mm. plus <laughs> twenty. be sick. Ne- and, next turn on tap, reequip equip and wings, go to town. <laughs>
0: go to town, indeed. So yeah, there's um, yeah. there's a little bit of shenanigans to pull to pull here. Um, Another one that I think is really interesting is Bitter Ordeal, a blackened 2 for a sorcery that reads search target player's library for a card and remove it from the game, then that player shuffles his or her library. It also has Gravestorm, which reads when you play this spell, copy it for each permanent put into a graveyard this turn. You may choose new targets for the copies. So if you're playing a dredge deck, this is kind of the dream here where you dredge like a bunch of cards and then bitter ordeal them for you know a bunch and have a grand old time take away their win conditions too i mean you don't need to bitter ordeal the whole deck you just need to bitter ordeal their chances of winning all, all, all their
1: non-lands i mean that that in in a quarter cart, that <laughs> yeah
0: like just, just hit their bombs hit their removal hit whatever looks like it could stop you um yeah. really neat um Last thing in Future Sight to kind of mention um, is Spellwild Oif, which is a one in a green for a 1-3 Oif that reads, spells that target it cost two less to play. Mm. So if you're going for a Boglezy strategy or a Voltron-style deck in um, your in your cube, this is a really neat one. I mean, it spells that target it cost less. So yeah, it does reduce your opponent's cards, but if you can quickly get Hexproof on this thing,
2: mm.
1: great. You basically turned it into a one-sided yep. cost reducer. Also, the stance that makes it really, really fair, which for draft is like really nice.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, those are some of the things in Future Sight I think worth mentioning. I would definitely recommend look at the entire set. There is a lot of other really nice, neat, uh, neat ideas, as well mm-hmm. as just you might see other cards or mechanics that you haven't seen before, or just other mechanics from future sets that you were like, oh shit, that card came from Future Sight. <laughs> <laughs> With that said though Rupert what else are we going to discuss today
1: Okay so things I w- wanted to include um because they are not necessarily unknown or weird uh but they definitely break the rules of conventional magic and those are cards that um similar to conspiracies if you reveal them from your opening hand they do something for free most uh, mm. a good example for that would be the um ley line um Multiple. Well, actually, they're multiple, multiple ley lines. Um, and what they all have in common is that uh, if you reveal them from your opening hand, you may begin the game with it, uh, them on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And example effects will be the green ley line of abundance. Uh, whenever you tap a creature for mana, add an additional green. For 6 and 2 green, put, plus one plus, uh, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each creature you control. For a free card, this is pretty good. Uh Leland of Anticipation sees great commander play. Um also starts uh in the game when you reveal it from your opening hands, but re- you may cast spells as though they have flash. Insanely good.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot even as recent as Ikoria was it, we seen a sorry, just my phone's beeping here. Um in Ikoria we saw recently a play on your opponent's turn matters theme. Or no, sorry, mm. it wasn't in Aquarius. it was in Pharos. And so having a Leyline of Anticipation yes, it's, 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 yeah. to turn on that as an archetype, it'd be really interesting.
1: Mm. Yeah. Another cycle uh, of note would be the uh, Chancellor cycle uh, from... Uh, it's one of the Phyrexian cells. Is it okay. Mirrodin? New Phyrexia? Mirrodin? I can't quite recall. I don't know. So there's one Chancellor for each colour um, and they all have a review from your starting hand, from your opening hand uh, effect. Uh, for example, the Chancellor of, annex, uh, of the Annex, that would be the white one, which normally would be four um, generic and three white for a five, six uh, Flying Angel. Um, you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, uh, when each opponent casts his or her first spell of the game, counter that spell and that's that player pace one. So, what this does is it essentially gives you're essentially one turn ahead. Um, that said, though, Dota uh, have some use when you play them late. Whenever an opponent casts a spell a can play a patient. Mr Gopo, are you okay?
0: Sorry, yeah, I'm just going to mute myself for a moment to fix a mic, but um please do continue with the blue chancellor.
1: Sure thing. So uh the blue one um in the similar wing comes into play for uh four and two uh three blue for five seven flying swings. Um, and reads, you may may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, at the beginning of the first upkeep, each opponent puts top 7 of his or her library into uh, his or her graveyard. Granted, in regular constructed play, this might not be that good, but... um, When when
0: it's a 40-card deck...
1: (laughs) Yeah, your opponents will start with, normally at least, 33 cards in their deck, and that's 7. Uh, is actually quite a big hit mm-hmm. um especially if you consider the fact that many, many draft games just become a slog fest where it comes down to whoever decks first um
0: yeah, if you're in that slower environment, it could win, or if you've got a sufficiently okay mill archetype being extra yep. an extra seven cards deep, pretty good,
1: and as the white chancellor um, it also has a static ability when it uh is played regularly. Um, when Chancellor of the Spire enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your opponent's graveyard without paying its mana cost. So
0: you've been milling all along.
2: Get a payoff.
1: Sweet. Neat. Um, another one that saw um, well not necessarily a Chancellor, but um, one that saw quite a lot of play in uh, rather recent standard sets. Um, can you say Fires of Invention? Would be uh, Swings of Foresight. Um, and if you reveal that one from your opening hand, uh, you scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. Excellent. I scry at the beginning of... You know. I <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of a 40-card <40 laughs>
2: deck? Hell yeah.
0: Nice. And worst case scenario, it's a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four with flying that reads, at the beginning of the upkeep, scry 1. So it's really solid. that's not that's bad. Really that's really good, not yeah. bad at all. I mean, 4-mana four 4-4 four, four flyer, that's a 5-turn clock.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, then. Uh, with that said, though, we have one last category <laughs> we would like to talk about. Um, yes. Again, breaking the rules of conventional magic.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk about cards that say you win. win the game. So three notable ones that we're going to talk about here, but there is a bunch of these effects in the game, but a lot of them are, again, borderline unplayable. So <laughs> let's stick to kind of the slightly more playable ones here. So first one to mention here is Approach of the Second Sun. Which is great if you're playing a real slow grindy control deck. It's yeah. six and a white for a sorcery. If Approach of the Second Son was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Son, this game you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach uh, into the owner its owner's library seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. So again, you're either if you have a you know if you have two of them cool it's just 12 mana win mm-hmm. or alternatively it's uh um, usually the way this plays out is cast approach dig seven cards and cast it or just grind the game out for seven turns and cast it again eventually
1: and the kind of um, helps you with that the kind of helps
0: you with that gaining seven life like that's two and a bit lightning bolts worth of damage prevention like you know it's mm-hmm. not irrelevant um Another one that is probably a bit more gimmicky, and we've talked about it on the show before, is Maze's End. It's a land that enters tapped, and taps are colourless. You may pay three and tap it, and return Maze's End to its owner's hand, and search your library for a gate card, and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. If you control ten or more gates with different names, you win the game. So,
1: Literally off- the only reason uh, to play gates in any deck, to be fair. <laughs> yeah,
0: so... I often, in cubes in the past, I put Maze's End in as a one-card archetype, where I will say, look, if you draft Maze's End, I will give you one of each Guildgate,
2: just mm-hmm. for free.
0: And it allows people to play the Maze's End deck if they want, without needing to spend literally 10 picks trying to find the gates. Yeah. This only this kind of rule, though, really only works if you're in an environment where the fixing is better than a Guildgate. So if you've got, say, like, shocks, fetches, and original duels, Maze's End is great in that sense, because it means the people who are playing the real fixing are getting better value than you playing your tap lands.
1: That's it that, though, with um, the... Yeah, I think it was the Ravnica block uh, about two years ago. Um, we now have a guild archetype, or a potential guild archetype, that surpasses Maze's End plus guild gate. Uh, we got more guild, more gate um, type lands. We got uh, gate support cards that care about gates. So that might actually be something that you would like or want
0: yeah, to include. Yeah, absolutely. There is a guild gate for each dual color. And then there is one gate that is, um enters the battlefield. You must pay one unless... Eh, if you, It enters the battlefield tapped. And when it enters the battlefield, sack it unless you pay one. And taps for one value color. So there is 11 guild gates. You can do it. And as Rupert said, there is cards that do reference gates. Um, is it Circuitous Route? I think, is a four mana card that searches your deck for either a gate, for two gates or basics.
1: Two basics, yeah. Uh,
0: two basics and or gates and puts them into play tapped. So yeah. there is definitely stuff for gates, but it is a bit more gimmicky. It is a bit more low power. And if you're looking for it just to be a one card archetype, you probably won't be necessarily playing the Gates Matters cards. But hey. Maybe you want to build a Gates deck and you want to shove a whole archetype around it. You can do that. And last one here is one that is very well known to Commander and particularly CDH players among Uh, you. Controversial
1: card. Controversial controversial card. card. Uh, Thassa's
0: Oracle is double blue for a Merfolk Wizard. A 1-3. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So,
1: wow. So, um, a thing of to note here um, is that normally, or actually, so imagine this, and this is the reason why I like I would like this in a draft or limited environment. Um, imagine this: you included an entire mill archetype into your draft or uh, into your queue. And it would work as your regular mill archetype, milling your opponent out, um, hoping that they deck themselves. Now, if you include Thassa's Oracle with one singular pick, the whole mill archetype transforms into a self-mill archetype, where you suddenly try to find your Oracle and then just go to town, milling your 40 cards and win the game.
0: Absolutely. Like, you could make a nice Demir or Saltai build with this, where... You've got the black there to reanimate Thassa's Oracle in case you mill it yourself already. Um, yep. Or, of course, if you're going to build like a CDH cube or something, you could include um, Consultation, which is, um, you know, for, again, the CDH boys know this. It's a two-card
1: combo with Thassa's Oracle for three mana. Work, uh, um, works. Hermit um, Druid,
0: a bunch of cards work with it. Um,
1: yeah. you, know, you, you a- Everything you, that decks uh, you in one turn. <laughs> everything
0: that decks you in one turn at level or... <laughs> <laughs> no one's playing leveler. Uh, but yeah, I think that circle is a really neat include. And even at that, just for the tempo alone, right? Two mana, one three. Look at the top. X. Still a You know, a I mean, that's pretty good. One into that, one on top, rest on the bottom.
1: Yeah, it's fair. Like you then can... again, also it, it's it's Murfolk Wizard. It fits into tribes. Like you can do with this cut whatever you want.
2: Yeah, it's got a lot going on. All right. With that, we hope we've given you a bit of food for thought about just
0: the weird stuff in magic that you could use to spice up your coup, be it just throw it in for one week and see how it works, or incorporate them and make whole new archetypes for them. Um, but with that, Rupert, let's go ahead and talk about our card of the week. What have you got here today?
1: Okay, Uh, so as I said to Benno earlier, it's prediction time. Oh. Uh, time featured a very, very peculiar peculiar character. Um returning character, let's say. And that was Vorenklax, uh, the green praetor. And since, it reve- since it's revealed, um, people were going crazy with ideas and conspiracy theories on how we will see the other Porexian praetors returning. And um, a very prevalent theme of this, these discussions is that those praetors might return one percent well, for the coming standard set. So, with that in mind, the next standard set that's coming, or the next standard set that's coming out is Strixhaven, a set that's themed around wizardry, mm. um, planeswalking, knowledge. So, there's one particular character of this Fraxim Preto cycle that might fit into that archetype. Indeed. That would be our good old Big friend Jinkataxi's Augur. So, uh, Mr. Guilfoy, would you mind uh, reading out that abomination of a card?
0: <laughs> sure thing. So Jinkataxi, Korogur, is 8 and double blue, 10 mana altogether, for a 5-4 legendary creature Praetor with Flash. At the beginning of your end step, draw
2: 7 cards.
0: At the beginning of, and each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by 7. Wow. So, yeah. Um, again, in terms of knowledge, the idea of just drawing a bunch of cards fits well with Strixhaven, so maybe we'll see a new Jenga come Strixhaven, but in general, he's got a lot of really nice utility. As a top yeah. end in your cube, he can be a great way to lock people out of the game, or a good way for you to just finish the game by giving yourself a full hand every turn.
2: Mm.
0: The other thing to consider here is that he'd be a really nice sneak, or uh, not a sneak attack target, but like a show-and-tell target, by going... Yeah, or just
1: general reanimation type
0: Reanimation, yeah
1: works very well with it
0: again it's not i think as well like despite what you see on the card he's a very fair reanimation target because unlike yeah. say emrakul which is going to just swing in and annihilate the board this is a card mm-hmm. that you reanimate and you're getting just value by again causing your opponent to lose their hand or, and causing you to gain a new hand yep and he has this nice bit of flexibility where you can flat because of the flash you might want to play him on your on your opponent's end step to make them discard their hand or you might <laughs> want to actually play it during your own turn so that you get that draw seven so it kind mm. of depends on you know what you want to do and what the board state is but generally you'll be flashing this out on your opponent's end step to make them discard and then you wait for your end step to draw that seven yep really nice card i Absolutely adore him, and uh, I've played him in Commander and had people scoop. It's great.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh,
0: I don't think he's too expensive either. So like, you know, you've got good options there in terms of just hey, you know, again, nice budget alternative to Emrakul, Uh Taxi's Core auger. Yeah, like okay, he's a bit more expensive oh, than I thought. Six fifty for a cheap one, and trending at about twelve quid. Um, that's fair
2: though. That's fair. Yeah. Like,
0: uh, he's still a
1: very good he's
0: still uh, very good give him a consideration proxy him up and try him in your cube see if he's worth the while let us know what you think and of course let us know if you've got any weird things that you include in cube that maybe people overlook or don't think about we'd love to hear about it uh you can reach out to us on our email at thefrogdragon gmail.com you can find us in a bunch of the cube discords um other than that, we got Patreon, the Frog Dragon, we've got Twitch, which I'll be streaming probably later on today. A bit of the fun souls mod for Dark Souls. <laughs>
1: Check that out. It's fucking insane. It's
0: giving me a headache. It's great. And other than that, uh,
2: yeah, I've been Bengalfoyle.
1: I've been Rupert thing uh, As usual, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. And see you next week.